a sensational crime. An airtight alibi. We can't lay a finger on this guy. And a chain of evidence. Bring him in. Charles Bronson is a cop looking for a killer, and he's running out of time. Go ahead, take me in. You can't punish me. When the guilty go free, I was a gun to be a free man. The system is the crime. I want a killer, and what I want comes first. Well, how come I've never heard him mention a daughter? It seldom crosses his mind that he has one. He's one angry man with someone to protect. How long be with your father? Argue with that. He can make a difference. You like hurting girls? I won't answer that. Girls won't have anything to do with you, but you get back at them, don't you? <gasps> I won't listen to your filth. Look at him! Gotta remind you about evidence obtained under duress? It's inadmissible, Leo. We got no evidence and we can't hold this kid. He's our man, Captain. I'm gonna get him. Found some blood. He's lying. There was no blood on my clothes and he knows it. How do you plead, Warren? Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. The last thing I want to do is get involved with a cop. Well, I don't blame you. Leo, I went back to the lab and I talked to the technician. And I asked him if you... Why didn't you ask me? Is that true, Lieutenant? You planted the evidence. You know why. We could nail it sooner or later. After counting how many more dead. Lion. He had to be stopped. After all the evidence is in, he'll reach his own verdict and execute the sentence by the deadline. When there is no justice, this man is the law. Ten to midnight. Charles Bronson, Lisa Eilbacher, and Andrew Stevens in a Golan Globus production of a J. Lee Thompson film. Ten to midnight. Welcome back to another episode of THR Presents Stream Fiends. We are going to talk about the 1983 classic, Charles Bronson, cult hit, 10 to Midnight. But first, you know this is your host, Brian, and you know who's always with me. Somebody that's more badass than Charles Bronson himself. It's my (laughs) brother, Nez. What's up, man? Well, I don't know about that, man. (laughs) Charlie Bronson is, is is just legit. Man. He's he's got so many movies under his belt, um, as well as some TV. And I was introduced to him was through my dad. And me wa- too. Watching Death Wish and the old uh, shoot 'em up cowboy movies, Red Sun and Man- Magnificent. Was it Magnificent Seven or? Yep. Uh, yeah. And a bunch of other things he, he was in. But I think what really made me start watching more of his movies was uh, Death Wish. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the first thing that I had seen. Because I remember my dad was sitting there watching. And I came in from playing and I just sat down. And it was the edited version. So I figured, he said, yeah, yeah it's all right. So I was like, who is this dude? And he goes, that's Charles Bronson. And after that, I just started watching everything I can get a hold of. <clears throat> and then... When I was able to just go movies by myself, and I started seeing all the other Death Wish movies that were hitting the theater, and this, and Evil That Men Do, and what was that one? Murphy's Law, and then there was another one. The, the when he was the mechanic, 
that one. He was. I saw that one. Not when it was new, but I remember we we saw some one of his. I think it was one when he was protecting the first lady. Um, shit, I can't remember that one. Someone's probably screaming it, but I remember the mechanic was a it was a double feature at the drive-in. I don't think my mom really cared for Charles Bronson. My dad was all about him, so but I, I was too, man. I was I was right there, like oh my god, yeah. I think the first western one I saw was Red Sun. Mine was uh, as far as western. Mine was a uh, White Buffalo. The White Buffalo. <laughs> and I think he was Geronimo at one point. <laughs> he probably was. I let him. I let. I let it slide. He's Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, the synopsis. As always, we got to go to IMDb. An LAPD detective and his rookie partner are on the trail of a psychopath young man who is murdering young women. All right, let's go to Google. An outraged police detective and his rookie partner skirt the law to catch a killer of women. That's pretty. That's probably the short, shortest Google synopsis we ever read. I know. Usually they're like full paragraphs. <laughs> you know, t- tell you the whole movie. Let's see here. Uh, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Produced by Pancho Coner. Lance Houle. Written by William Roberts. And Jay Lee Thompson, uh, writer and director. This stars stars Charles Bronson, Lisa Ellenbacher, Andrew Stevens, Gene Davis, Jeffrey Lewis, and Mr. Diabetes himself, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Speaking of him, uh, were you there with us that year? They They were all there for the thing? No, that was the year before. Okay. It all blends together now. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't get to meet him, but I went to the panel uh, for the thing, and his his line was always long. There was hella people there. So I was like, well, I saw him. <laughs> I got yeah. to hear him speak, so that was good enough for me. Somebody get a Quaker Oats thing signed or anything like that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't see him. You know how small that one room was? Uh, yeah. Not, not the... If we're walking, there was left and the right. The one, I think the one on the left was a little bit bigger than the one on the right. It was they were in the one on the right, and that mm. was just, it was just packed in there, especially around all those tables where all the the stars were. So, but yeah, <clears throat> when was the uh, first time you had seen this one? Uh, a couple days ago. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right after I said that, I realized I said, "Shit, this is his first time." <laughs> Well, as a first time, man, what did you think of uh, 10 to Midnight? I dug it, man. I dug it. Um, I do have some questions. I, I I do have some reliefs, though. I'm glad we didn't have to see. We saw a lot of ass in this. A lot of, a lot of man <laughs> ass. I'm, I'm glad that's all we had to see. But um, I like I like what was going on. I, I liked uh, Charles Bronson's character. You know, I... I I can see, you know, I can feel that he was frustrated with all the women getting killed and just getting outraged. And it was, it was hitting more close to the home with, with certain women being killed and him, his relationship with his daughter didn't really, didn't really care for the rookie partner. I just felt like he was kind of thrown in there. 
the guy that uh, played um, what was the killer's name? Warren Stacy. Yeah, I thought he he played good because I, I was like, this guy is fucked up. There's something wrong with him. But I I had to get to the scene because uh, I got a shout out uh, podcast uh, Nightmare Junkhead. Because one of their hosts, he always kept saying this line, and he was like, "It's for jacking off." Oh. And I was, I was like, I was like, I gotta see this movie because I, I have no idea what he's talking about. And then when we got <laughs> to the scene, he was like, "You know what this is for? It's for jacking off." <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "What the hell is that thing?" Yeah, I mean, even the first time that I'd seen this, and when, when they pulled that out, I was like. What is that? And even watching it now, I mean, I laugh at it every time I see it. I know, I know the scene is coming, and I know that line. But uh, this is a movie Mike and I love. We actually saw this together. <laughs> One of the many times I, I, I've seen this movie hell of times in the theater. But that thing, I remember when we first saw that, we were like, "What is that?" And and we, I mean, when V when VHS came around, uh, we paused it and we were really looking at it. It looks like a yeah, one of those old school blender type of things with that big rubber. I'm like, what? Yeah, the- I don't even know how it would work. I, I don't know. I assume you just stick it in that rubber part, but I don't know, man. That that, that thing looked pretty rough. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to try it, but I but, couldn't even. Yeah. I, I, mean, I couldn't even imagine thinking about walking in there. Hey, I'll take this. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that line though was killing me. It's for jacking off. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I just, you know, you, I, I just like the portrayal that Charles Bronson was doing with this detective, like, because you know he's not supposed to be taking this stuff, and he's like planting evidence and all this, but he, he knows that this is the guy, and this guy is just getting away with it. And I just love that whole dynamic of the of the story and um i thought the kills were going to be a little bit more brutal but you know for for what it was uh, it, it it worked though and uh yeah this is definitely one if i if i see it i'm definitely gonna pick it up um when i first saw this uh, i didn't see it like right when it came out um the first no no wait wait Let me change that real quick. I did see it when when it first came out Um, because I was thinking of uh, Scarface came out in 83. Mm. And that was a movie that uh, I didn't know what it was at that time. Nobody knew what it was. It's like Scarface is huge right now. But 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 back when it came out, nobody really knew what it was. Uh, My cousin sold that to me. Oh, man, that movie was awesome, dude. And he just told me the whole ending uh, of the whole shootout. And then uh, he goes, well, let's go see it. And I'm like, all right, fuck yeah. We went and saw it. And this was the second film that came with it. Not like Scarface was in that. That's three hours right there. But then uh, I had already seen 10 to Midnight. So I'm like, oh, man. I said, we got I said, you got to watch this one. This one's hella good, too. And my cousin was like, all right. So uh, it was my first time watching Scarface and his first time seeing 10 to Midnight. And that's like the ultimate double feature right there. So but. Uh, I already knew who Charles Bronson was, so I, I was all on board uh, on this. Uh, it was at the theater around the corner from uh, my house, and uh, I remember seeing the poster. Uh, stand when I stand the the movie theater was right by the bus stop, so I would look at the posters, and I love the artwork on this. Um, 
I have the uh let me pull it out. The um Twilight Time uh edition. This was the first time it was on Blu-ray. And I wasn't sure if anyone else was gonna do it. And then maybe shortly after uh the Shout Factory uh put it out. Uh I want that one because there isn't that many special features on here. I mean there's audio commentary and everything, but um, I was watching some of the special features from the Shout Factory one on YouTube, so I thought that mm. was really cool. But I love this film. It's probably my second favorite Charles Bronson movie after uh, the, the first Death Wish. And, man, yeah, I mean, he, uh, I keep wanting to call him Paul Kersey, but that was his name in, in, uh, <laughs> in Death Wish. He was uh, Leo Kessler, uh, detective, uh, Lieutenant uh, Leo Kessler in this. And I just, I mean, Charles Bronson, he's never one of those ones with his uh, facial features. It's always like the same. Like, I wouldn't want to see that because his facial expressions in his movies meant business. I like the yeah. I like the mustache, Charles Bronson. I don't like the clean cut one when he doesn't have it. To me, he just doesn't look right. But I mean, he got a little gray in his hair and he fucking meant business. He wanted he wanted to get his man. I mean, there wasn't really any buildup to this one. I mean, we know who the bad guy is right when mm-hmm. the movie starts. So, but we just see uh, what Warren Stacy, uh, uh, Gene Davis, was the actor on uh, what he did, and they said he really uh, got into the character. He was really comfortable with the role, and yeah, he's when the, this serial killer, he was running around naked, so that was the reason why they couldn't catch him. And they were saying that, yeah, man, during cuts, he didn't usually they come throw a, a robe on him. But he was like, no, I'm good. And but everybody <laughs> was all right. And he was just standing there hanging 10 uh, the whole time. <laughs> and all this, but but I mean, it was really good. I mean, I loved everybody in it. Um, Lisa Allenbacher. I mean, some of you guys know her from um, either Leviathan or uh, Beverly Hills Cop. She was in the first one. Uh, Andrew Stevens, he's been in a ton of movies uh, as well as TV. I remember him in that movie, The Fury, and some other cop movies. So I, re- I really liked him as the uh, the other detective, uh, Paul McCann. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis, it was always cool to see him when he pops in. Uh, <laughs> Wilford Brimley as well, he was Captain Malone. And then there was just uh, the other ladies, uh, the victims of, of everything that was going on in this. But uh, There was uh, a young Kelly Preston. Oh, that's right. She was in this as well. Um, rest in peace, uh, Kelly Preston. Absolutely. Uh, I want to say the the young black uh, uh, nurse girl. I want to say she passed too. Um, oh no! Okay, I'm thinking of someone else. Sorry, sorry, Ola Ray. Uh, <laughs> was, was she in a Friday the Thirteenth movie? Uh, she was in the thriller. The thriller. Video. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, she looked hella familiar. <laughs> she was a thriller. She was a Beverly Hills Cop two, and uh, Forty Eight Hours. Uh, I don't remember where Forty Eight Hours was uh, the film she did right before this. But I mean, again, I loved what uh, Gene Davis did as Warren Stacy. He sold that role, and every time I had seen him in uh, some other roles after this, um, it's he's always just been like maybe a side character that had maybe one line, but in this one, he he took that role and he sold it and he did it good. He, they, they were saying that he was really quiet 
uh, on the set. He was just pr- pretty much kept to himself. I don't know. I know a lot of actors like to do that when when they get in these type of roles to where they mm-hmm. don't want to meet with the with the with the other cast. They just want to keep to themselves, stay in character the whole time until the whole project is done. Um, before the way they were talking about him, this is stuff I was watching on YouTube. So I figured that maybe that's the kind of actor that that he likes to be. I don't want people to like me because they're going to hate me for the stuff that that's that he's doing and saying and as in this role. So I really loved it. And Charles Bronson, again, these are the days where the movies were, there were never three hour movies except Scarface, but these films were straight to the point. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was watching, when I was watching this the other night, I was laying in bed and I was like, well, let me just start watching this and then I'll finish it in the morning. I started, was looking, watching it on my phone. And next thing you know, the movie was over. I watched the whole movie laying in bed (laughs) on my phone. And, but I, I love this film, everything in it. Um, but I'd have to say, if, if anyone that stole uh, the whole movie, it was uh, Gene, da- Gene Davis, uh, the actor that played Warren Stacy, uh, the killer in this film. Yeah. I, but I, on the other hand, I really like Charles Bronson. There was just some scenes, of course, you know, I have to say it again, the, the, it's for jacking off. And then, and then the other scene where um, he thought he found evidence with the gum. And yeah. then the guy was like, oh, that's mine. And then he just went up and was just like getting on him about spitting the gum out and then stuck it in his pocket. And then for the next five minutes, the guy, you just see him like trying to get all this gum out of his pocket. And like Charles Bronson is just he's he's over it. He's he's off to the next thing. And I just I loved his character. Yeah. And I agree with you about uh, Gene Davis as Warren Stacy. I liked how the killer went through everything. Yeah, it, it was a little bit too much man ass for me, but I get what he was doing. <laughs> you know, he he didn't want to leave no evidence. He had his rubber gloves. He I liked the scene in the beginning where he let everybody know that he was at the movie theater. So that way he'd have an alibi. And I really, I really like like the way he was doing his thing. And um, yeah, Charles Bronson and and Gene Davis really, really brought it for this movie. I thought the roles, I mean, the parts and the scenes in the film. Uh, this is streaming on uh, Amazon Prime. Everyone, if you guys haven't seen it, um, <clears throat> but every time they they were in in scenes together, mainly when when they were dealing uh, in in the police station. Uh, questioning him and all that or just the stone cold face just that main business uh, Charles Bronson to where he just never ever looked like oh my god am am I doing the right thing and never thought never even thought about the consequences of his actions or anything he was just stone cold straight face and did not give a fuck he was a cop that been on the force for probably close to 30 years and Mm -hmm. Seemed like he always got his man. So because he was pretty sure out of everybody, every time they were like, well, we don't have nothing on him. We don't really think this is a guy. And he goes, I know it's the guy. This is our man. We need to bring him in and we need, we need to get him off the street because we don't want any more uh, people end up dying. So, I mean, he was dead set on, mm-hmm. on bringing uh, Warren Stacy down. So, but uh, we, again, we already knew who the killer was right out the gate. And I mean, he he wasn't a uh, a stupid guy. He he planned out his kills. He uh, he was able to get away with it all. 
So, I mean, I, I really liked that about uh, the story and everything. But then again, this film is it's just straight and to the point. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Movie's over. <laughs> so, but um, if you had to pick a, a favorite scene in this, what what would it be? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah the whole basically the whole interrogation scene in the interrogation room because i uh, yeah that line makes me laugh every time i say it but just the way that he was provoking uh warren stacy and you know showing him the pictures and making him look and then you know it gets to the point where where Leo Kessler, uh, Charles Bronson, uh, actually puts his hands on him. And then, you know, er, that's when every, of course, you know, in the movies, that's when everybody comes in to, like, you can't do that. And I, I just, I love because uh, you, you kind of see that he was kind of getting to Warren Stacy and he was slowly breaking down. Yeah. But then that. once, once they didn't have anything, you know, he kind of went back to what he was. But you, you can see that. He got to him, and I just I like that whole uh, interrogation scene because in the beginning of this film we just see uh, well this is a kind of quick little uh, beginning intro when we're introduced to uh, Paul Paul Kersey uh, Leo Kessler now Paul Kersey's from Death Wish everyone um, but Leo Kessler he, he's talking to some uh, some hobo I guess uh, but he's trying to just do his job and then we then then we're introduced to uh, Warren Stacy so. There was no who done it or anything. We already know who's done. It. You see this guy, and he—I mean—he did such a good job. He looked like a creep, and he worked in some kind of office building. He was the um, the not really the IT guy. He kind of fixed uh, typewriters and changed the 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 tone and the you know, printers and everything. But <clears throat> nobody liked him at that job because they just mm-hmm. thought he was a creep. Yeah, because they they all said that he always tried to hit on people. They showed a quick little uh, uh, flashback uh, that one of the girls uh, he was talking to that worked in the office. I don't know where she was, maybe in the copy room. And he like unzipped uh, the back of her dress and she turned around and threw like coffee in his face. Must have been cold coffee because if that shit was hot, he would. Ah! <laughs> but, but he I don't know. He was just that weirdo. And, that, and he let off that weird vibe. To all the ladies, because uh, they were saying that cause some of the girls were saying, yeah, every, everybody's creeped out by this guy. But, I mean, they really didn't have anything. I mean, that should have been right there. Unzipping somebody's thing, he should have been fired right there. But So we see him, and then she, we see that girl. She's getting ready to go on a date uh, with some dude in one of those old school vans. And then uh, he's getting ready. She uh, puts on all his clothes and everything. And uh, his... His alibi was was like rock solid, no holes in it <laughs> at all. Like, like you said earlier, uh, he goes to this movie theater, and oh, as he's driving, he, we're seeing quick little flashes uh, of the girl going and getting and going on her date. So I, f- I figured that he must have been just make iron iron listening to her conversations, and because uh, he knew where she was going for her date. Mm-hmm. But when he goes to the theater, he goes in and he makes sure that people know that he's there. He's flirting around uh, with these two girls in line, kind of flirts around with some some more during or right before the movie starts. And then 
because when how he was doing it, he was just kind of like, hey, hey, girls and all this. And they just didn't want nothing what to do with him. Well, one of them. Yeah. And yeah, even even his interaction with the with the ladies selling him the movie tickets like he he's letting everybody know I'm this is where I'm at. Yeah, because he did throw a little conversation with the the girl uh, selling the ticket like, hey, you wouldn't happen to know their names, would you? And uh, does she I think she did know or I don't yeah. remember. But so right there. All right. The ticket taker knows. She had talked to her and then I guess getting his popcorn. They didn't show that, but I'm sure he might have said something to them as well. But when he goes into the theater, the two girls are sitting down already. He goes up and sits next to him and tries to throw his Mac down. And they still ain't having it. And they kind of just get tired of him and they end up moving. It's calling him a creep. So the movie starts. He's just sitting there. Then he gets up and he goes up to upstairs to the bathroom, uh, climbs out a window and then shimmies down the, the ladder uh, for, runs across the roof goes down this ladder and jumps in his car and uh, heads to this lake um, <clears throat> that's where uh, the girl uh, that he was after was there with her boyfriend she's uh, they're in the back of the van and he's in there beating it up and then he uh, th- this was the, I mean the first time I'd seen this I, I didn't know I mean you, you know he's gonna go to kill him he's actually they show him peeking in and watching him but when he opens the van, that's when we notice that he's like butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> he kills the the boyfriend. She jumps out, runs away. And this is the, the sun isn't down yet. It's, it's still kind of light outside. So she's butt naked as well. She's running in the woods trying to hide and everything. And then he goes running after her. Yeah, that was a lot of uh, back shots of uh, Mr. Stacy. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate when it was frontal scenes. I appreciate all the things that was placed. The block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We never got to see his man junk, but uh, we saw his butt pretty much through the whole movie. <laughs> so he, he runs after her and catches her. And all right. I I understand she's scared for her life and everything, but you kind of have to be hot, quiet if you're going to hide. <laughs> so he, he yeah. <laughs> and let, let's let's run. Maybe I know you're naked, but let, let's run somewhere where there's some people. Yeah, I mean, don't don't stop, man. And obviously, people are gonna stop. If they see a naked lady running down the road. So, but uh, he ends up. Uh, he has a um, butterfly knife, and he just kind of stabs her in the stomach. It seems like he just got her once, but yeah. the boyfriend got it like the worst because you just see him over and over and over stabbing him. Um, we never really saw uh, like gore or anything. Mm-hmm. It was mainly, you know, he stabbed him. And then when the camera shows them, they're like just laying there and they're all bloody. So that was pretty much it. But so he, after he kills her, he goes back to the movie theater and climbs through the window and everything, throws his gloves away. He Oh, he's butt naked, but he wears uh, those plastic latex gloves. So mm-hmm. he doesn't leave any fingerprints or anything. So he kind of pulls those out of his pocket and in a plastic bag flows up and flushes them. And he kind of, cleans up his knife and then he goes in back into the movie theater and sit down movies over by the time he gets down there so he he had this all planned out so when he's sitting on the movies over those two girls that he was talking to earlier they walk by and they see him and then he walks up and tries to introduce himself or go through it again and the he was like well mind taking you guys out on a drink and the one young one or the smaller one was like nah 
I don't want nothing to do with you, but the other girl, a little, little more hefty girl, was like, well, what do you got in mind? And he goes, never mind. He goes, I don't want to get in the way of you and your girlfriend. He goes, yeah, you two sweethearts have a good night. <laughs> and then he leaves. So right there, you knew he laid his alibi down. But uh, later, uh, they, uh, the, the police um, are all at the scene. Was it like the next day? Because it was, it was still light. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the next day. Uh, like the next morning. Because, yeah, because when they left the theater, it was dark. <clears throat> so this is when we're introduced. Uh, we're already introduced to Charles Bronson char- character, uh, Detective uh, or Lieutenant uh, Kessler. And then uh, we're, we're introduced to Andrew Stevens' character. He's uh, another detective, uh, Paul McCann. He's assigned to help uh, Leo with the, with the case. I assume he was just brand new uh, to to that precinct, so because it didn't seem like anybody knew who he was. So he's there, uh, yeah. But Charles Bronson is kind of scanning the scene, looking around. Yeah, this is when he finds the gum and he's looking at it, and then that's when uh, <laughs> McCann comes up. Oh, I dropped that, and then he's like, "Oh, he knows this is a crime scene," and then sticks the gum in his <laughs> in his pocket and then pulls it out and leaves it in there. So. And then we're in a, and this is when the, the great the great Wilford Brimley comes in. He's Captain Malone, and that's when he introduces them. So yeah, he's your partner. So get used to him. So they're kind of figuring out like, well, we just figured they, they came up here for a little ooh la la, and and they get killed, and they they were just looking for evidence, and they weren't really too sure uh, on uh, what it was. But um, how did they figure out it was him? I'm I'm just lost now. Uh, well, they did the funeral, and oh, that's right. He showed up to the funeral, and then I guess I, I think they were questioning some of the ladies from the the office, and they had said that they had some kind of interaction that didn't go so well, and a lot of the girls were kind of saying that you know he's kind of creepy, and and I think uh, that's how it goes. And then he run. I, I know at the. That's when he runs into uh, Lisa Ellenbacher and she's like, do I don't I know you? And then he's like, do you? And (laughs) you kind of see maybe something's going to happen there. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's where it kind of went down from there because he was spotted at the the funeral. And I think he was being kind of weird at the funeral. Well, he was kind of just standing off to the side. And then when she, when Laurie Kessler is uh, Lisa Ellen Bachter's character, which is Charles Bronson's daughter uh, in the film, uh, because when they were, they were actually the, the, the girl that was killed, um, uh, Leo Kessler, Charles Bronson, he knew her family because when mm-hmm. he, he was the one that had to go tell uh, her parents uh, that she was murdered. And before they left, the, 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 her dad said, hey, man, she kept a, kept a diary. I don't know why he knew that, but I get moves the story along. Yeah. And they were saying that she's got everything in it for, like, every guy she's gone out with. So <laughs> why didn't the father know? I, I don't know. Movie. She, <laughs> Until they she did had, it in the 80s. <laughs> she had, the father knows she has a diary about every man she's been with. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they, they know that. All right, I'm going to get back to that in a second. So um, we find that out. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? I'm jumping ahead. He acted. The dad actually said that at the funeral, and that's how Warren Stacy heard about the diary. 
Mm-hmm. But um, but when when he was kind of just eavesdropping, that's when Laurie came over and said, "Do I know you?" And he goes, "Well, do you?" And she goes, "You you look familiar." So she wasn't really sure at, at that time. But uh, so when they hear, uh, when he hears that there's a diary, he ends up going to that girl to where that girl lived, uh, breaks into her apartment. And just trying to find the diary, he gets to the, one of the little nightstands next to her bed. I must I assume that was just a one bedroom apartment and she slept in the same room with her roommate because it was two beds. Yeah, <laughs> that would suck. Because what if one's trying to get down? What do you got? All right. You go sleep on the couch or I don't know how it works. <laughs> but um, So he breaks into the house and. He comes through uh, either they were living on the first floor because he just came. He came broke in through the sliding glass door and uh, he, he he couldn't he can't get the little nightstand drawer open. So he's like, oh, man, he's trying to break into it. Uh, and then he hears somebody coming home and uh, it's her, her roommate who actually works in the same building as her as well with uh, Warren uh, Stacy. So he's hiding in the closet. Uh, she starts to get undressed, and then she, I don't know why you get undressed to go cook, but anyway. But she puts on a little, like, robe type of thing. It's for so, the movie. <laughs> yeah, so she goes in the kitchen, gets and starts cooking up some lunch, and then she turns around, and Warren's standing there and stabs her in the gut with a big uh, kitchen knife. And, uh, yeah, I like this scene, because when she falls down, you see Warren, like, standing there, uh but the lights behind him. So all we're seeing is basically just his silhouette because he's facing her. And I don't know. I guess he was must have been too large because he didn't see it hanging down or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so she's dead. He goes back into the room and finally breaks open, just basically breaks the nightstand to get the diary out. And then, all right, this part was kind of lame. He picks the box up, sets it down because it's a box that says my diary. And then he opens it up and then. It's it's empty. But I'm like, well, shouldn't you have noticed that when you picked up the box? <laughs> I'm sure a book has some kind of weight. All right, the diary. Uh, Warren learned about it right when Leo Kessler learned about it, uh, Charles Bronson. So did Warren Stacy leave the, the funeral and go straight to her house? Or... Did he go to the store? Because the next scene, he's carrying a bag of groceries. So I don't know. So I assume uh, Charles Bronson uh, and uh, McCann must have went, left the funeral and went straight to her house. Mm-hmm. And got it. Because they, they just learned it. They they All three of them learned it that same time at, at the funeral. And another question I got was, the roommate, she was at the funeral too. So maybe they talked to her at some point. Well, here, here's my key, and and maybe they went in and got it. But I, I don't know. It, it was that scene always. It never stuck right with me. Like how the hell did they get it so fast? Because the next scene, uh, Warren shows up at his his apartment. He's holding a bag of groceries, and he goes to open the door to go into the hallway to where his apartment is, and uh, Kessler and McCann are standing there. And uh, so they want to question him. So they go yeah, to. That is weird. Yeah, they they're question everyone that's in this book that they must have just skimmed through really quick and read and found out everyone. 
but I think how they got, how they came to him was when, once they got in the house, they started giving him just the regular routine questions. Uh, where were you that night? And that's when, you know, where were you the night of the murder? That's when he said, I was at the movies. Uh, I saw Butch Cassie and Sundance Kid. And then, well, did, did you, does anyone know you were there? He goes, yeah, I talked to the ticket lady. did some girls there and, and the concession, concession worker. They're like, all right. So they're writing it all down. And then he's kind of putting things away and turn around. And this is when uh, Kessler pulls out the diary and starts reading a little phrase. He goes, yeah, he's kind of cute, but he's a creep. He really makes my skin crawl and stuff like that. And then he, because Warren Stacy turned around like, well, what's that? And he goes, oh, it's just, uh, I can't remember the girl's name that, that died. It was her diary. And like, oh, and that's when he read the the little uh, little description. And he goes, uh, he goes, do you know who that is? I'm like, no. He goes, I'll give you a guy. He goes, I'll give you a guess or a hint. It's you. <laughs> and, so, and they basically told him, well, don't leave town. We might have some more questions for you. But um, before they kind of got into that little thing, that's when uh, Kessler goes, hey, can I go to the bathroom? He goes, yeah, it's, it's right there. So he goes in there. All right, I got something right here to say as well. He goes into the bathroom. He's looking around. Uh, just kind of looking around for clues of anything uh, to make sure that this is the guy. Uh, this is when he pulls out that big jack-off machine, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls that out. It was under the sink. And, okay, right here. Um, this is just me analyzing the scene. He's got um, magazines on the on the back of the, the toilet, on, the, on actually sitting on the tank. He was talking about he was all about women and, and all that, flirting with all the girls, trying to get them. But he had a a, a gay porn magazine right there. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know. I mean, whatever floats your boat. I mean, not saying that it's bad or anything, but or maybe he just swung both ways. So that was kind of I know I noticed that the first time I'd seen it, and I was like, well, why is that there? But then again, everyone, I was, what, 12 years old when I saw this. And I'm not as woke as I am now. But <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and uh, well, I guess they went when they went back. Well, no, you know what? Okay. <laughs> uh, now I'm analyzing the movie too, too, too hard. So he puts the jack off machine back and he flushes the toilet and he walks out. And like, all right, well, that's all the questions we got for you. And uh, we'll talk to you later. So they leave and uh, we go back to the to the precinct. Uh, the Wilford Brimley, Captain Malone uh, and Charles Bronson and McCann, they're talking to him. And they go, well, what do you think? And he goes, he goes, this is our man. He goes, we got to get him. And then the, uh, <clears throat> the captain turns to uh, McCann and goes, well, what do you think? And he's like. Well, I don't think I'm really qualified. And he goes, well, are you a cop? Are you here? And he goes, yeah, then you're qualified. So, But then he was kind of like, well, I'm going to go right along with uh, the lead detective, Kessler, and what he's doing. And they're like, all right, well, they go, well, we need to bring him in here to, to question him some more. So that's when they, they bring him in. And uh, they, uh, they have uh, the pictures, uh, the murder pictures, and they're grilling him more about the night. Uh, of everything he's in the in the interrogation room and yeah this was was rough right here man because he was like hey and he goes well he he's sitting there with his his lawyer i think it was a public defender or something like that at that time but he was like all right and he goes well he goes look here's some pictures these are the and he goes he goes were you ever 
did, did you ever go out with any of these girls? And he goes, yeah, I kind of went out with her, but she wasn't uh, a very nice guy or a very nice girl. And he goes, oh, and then that's when he was like, uh, he leaned in. He goes, do you like her? No, he goes, he he started talking about um, a story. I don't know where he got this information from, but he had mentioned, he goes, what might, it might have been in a police report or something. I guess when Stacy was younger, he he had said, he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, he, have you ever had any altercations like this with, with mm-hmm. any girls? And he's like, no. And then he's like, well, how come uh, you threw a, he goes, when you were younger, you cut your neighbor's uh, daughter with a knife. And he goes, it was an accident. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, well, he goes, I was upset. She was, she wasn't a nice girl. And he goes, yeah, you threw a dead cat through her window. And then he was there. That's when he just leaned forward and he goes, do you like hurting girls? And he was like, I won't answer that. And he goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I think you do. And he goes, he goes, but you, you probably don't hurt them right there, but you get back at them, don't you? And that's when he pulled out the pictures and, <laughs> and he was like, look at him, look at him. He grabs the back of his head <laughs> and then he kind of gets up like that. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, ah, he goes, he goes, he goes, women don't want nothing to do with you. And he's like, he's just getting mad. That's when he pulls open the drawer and pulls that big jack off machine. <laughs> he goes, Warren, do you recognize this? Leo, what's not that, Warren? You ever see one of these before? What's it used for? What's the matter? Cut? Got your tongue? It's for jacking off, isn't it? And that's when they're like, they're, they're like, he goes, he goes, all right, stop. Uh, the captain <laughs> comes. But before the captain wasn't in the room. Uh, they had that two-way glass, and they had the two girls from the movie theater, which I don't know. Well, I guess the ticket ta- ticket taker knew them, so <laughs> that's probably how they found them. But they were like, "Yeah, so this is the guy that was you were talking to. When did you see him?" They go, "They said we saw him before the movie, during the movie, and after." And they go, "Are you sure?" And they said, "Yeah, that's him." So like, all right, so that's yeah, that, that one girl still in. all about it. Yeah, she was. <laughs> I mean, she's trying to get hers too. <laughs> But then all that hoopla went on, and then that's when Captain Malone came in and said, all right, man. He goes, what are you doing? And then he go, all right, um, get out of here, kid. And uh, the Kessler's like, man, he goes, that's our man, man. He, he's the one. I know it. And he goes, well, we got nothing on him. And he goes, we got to let him go. <laughs> so he goes, all right, kid, get out of here. So they kind of had a little stare down, and then they threw him out. Uh, they were recording the whole thing. So the lawyer stopped the tape, pulled it out, and he goes, look, this, you can just forget this. This isn't any good. But, uh, I mean, that's the kind of how the law he, he was doing. He, Kessler, Charles Bronson, knew this was the guy. So that's why he was playing hardball with him. I mean, that's that's what I like. I know it's against the law to go that way, but he was one of those cops, man. He, he's willing to put his his job on the line to to get his man. That That's what I loved about uh Leo Kessler's character. So uh during that scene they they go back into the captains and they're talking and they're just saying, well we need to get him in here again. He goes, give me another crack at him. And Malone, the captain is like, for what? We don't have anything on him. His alibis, there's no holes in it, nothing. And he goes, I don't know, get him in on like a, a traffic violation or something just to get him in there to get to get him more. Uh, and this is when uh, uh, Leo's daughter shows up, Lori, and she's kind of just like, hey, I need to see my dad. And But Kessler's talking to the captain, so McCann goes, well, I'll go out and talk to her. So she goes out, and 
he's just trying to tell her, I just need to see my dad because I remembered uh, something uh, about a guy that was at the funeral. And that's when she had mentioned uh, Warren Stacy. So that then I think with the McCann, it was kind of the, not the, the gears were starting to turn, but he still wasn't sure. Cause he McCann was the, 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 the kind of cop that I, I'm going by the book. I'm following the law. And cause I assume he was just a new detective. So he was just trying to do his job. So they figured all that out. Um, they go and visit uh, Lori uh, Kessler's daughter, and then she does. She kind of goes into a little explanation, a little story on uh, what she knows of him and how her friend, the one of the girls that got murdered, um, um, was telling her uh, about this guy that they worked with. Uh, Lori didn't work with her. She worked at a, I think it was a nursing school or something. Mm-hmm. So at this time, this when they're they're kind of like, uh, all right. This is a man. We really need to watch him some more. Uh, Lori invited uh, McCann to go to a party. Um, and then that's when she told him about uh, Stacy, uh, Warren Stacy, that, that they kind of knew him. So that's when, because uh, McCann said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't feel like going to parties. But then when they knew that she knew him, that's when they're like, oh, all right, I'll go with you. So that's when they came up with the idea. Look, man, um, not saying that he was going to go after her, after Lori, but they said, well, uh, oh, and then she also mentioned that uh, somebody was calling their house and leaving, uh, like, just talking dirty and speaking Spanish. Earlier, when they first um, uh, were questioning uh, Warren Stacy at his apartment the first time, there was a, a bull fighting poster uh, with some Spanish writing on him, and he was able to read it. And then, uh, oh, you can speak Spanish? And he said a little bit. And then when Lori said, yeah, this guy calls, and he's got, like, a Spanish accent, and he's saying dirty things and, and speaks in Spanish. And that's when they were kind of like, hmm, this might be him. So this guy had the worst Spanish accent ever. It wasn't even really a, an accent. <laughs> it was just his normal voice, but he just threw in some kind of Spanish words. That was, he didn't even try to change his voice. Because, but with it, when the uh, McCann goes to the the to the dorm where um, Lori lives with, I think like three other uh, nurses, they have their their phone tapped. Uh, they said they put a microphone on on the, on the receiver, and they got this big, giant, huge tape recorder. Uh, that was it was like the size of a VCR, those old school big uh, top loaded ones. Yeah, just press these two buttons, and when you got if he calls again, so they're like, all right, so that's when they they go to a party, quick scene, da 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 da, party messing around, yeah, and then they kind of make out for a minute. Uh, when McCann takes her home, and then uh, the phone rings, so they go rushing into the house, and she answers it. They press the recorder, and it, it's Warren Stacy. He's like out on a payphone somewhere, uh, talking. Yeah, I love you. I'll we'll do it every way it is and I'll fuck you in the ass and shit like that. Great, <laughs> crazy stuff he was saying there. And uh, they, they were like, just keep him on the lines. We can get a, a good recording. And uh, she was like, oh yeah. Uh, well, where can I meet you? And, uh, and he was like, what, what did you say? And he goes, something about like, I'll piss on you. I don't know. Something, it got really graphic, whatever he yeah. said there. He seemed to, when she was like, well, okay, let's go ahead and meet, he seemed to get super angry all of a sudden. Yeah, and he was like, 
he goes, well, I'll tell you what I love, and I'd love to stick it to you and all this. And he goes, well, I thought you loved me. He goes, I don't love you. He goes, your, your father's a pig. Your mother's a whore. <laughs> and he goes, because I wouldn't piss on you on the best part if you were just begging for it. Then he hangs up. So they got the recording. They're down at the police station. They're listening to it. Uh, McCann, Kessler, and the, and the captain. And they're like, all right. I think we got something. Bring him in, <laughs> so they they do more uh, stuff with him. I think this was the the the, the jacking off thing, uh, but I, I don't remember. We're jumping all over the place, but uh, again, they still had nothing on him uh, because they're like, well, it's just a phone call, really. We don't know if it is him. If he's the one killing, they don't have nothing about murders or anything, so they're not really sure. But uh, they. They're rallying him up at this point, and then because Kessel's like, I know this is him, so he that's when he really starts uh going after him. He like breaks into his uh, Warren Stacy goes home one night, turns on the lights, the music comes blasting on, he, he's got all these rigged up booby trap things, and lamps fall over, and all that. And then uh, he gets a phone call and he answers the phone, and then uh. Uh, Kessler's on the phone. He goes, Are we, you having fun, Mr. Stacy? And then he gets mad and hangs up. Because before all that, he was chasing him around. Uh, like if he was, if Stacy was driving down the road, uh, Kessler would pull up next to him, smiling, and just kind of just trying to get at him to to make it. Basically, making him go kill. <laughs> so because he was getting all mad, <laughs> I think that was the reason why he went after. Um, uh, Lori, uh, Kessler's daughter, because that's when he started calling her. And then, okay, right here, I got a question. How did he know their phone number? I mean, it's not like you can. Well, I guess it can. In those days, everybody's phone, everybody's names and phone numbers were in the phone book. <laughs> so I assume that's how he got the number. But he, he was pushing him. Uh, but uh, Warren, uh, no, wait, 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 wait. We, I think we skipped a part where uh, Charles Bronson's gonna uh, plant the evidence on him. Okay, because all right, because I, I was trying to go to um, the uh, the job. Because uh, remember when he gets fired? Yeah, that was <laughs> he. Because uh, he goes, Warren goes back to his work. Or I think he. Uh, he got he he had already gotten arrested, I think, because then that's when he went back to work. But he he was already cleared. Um, and that's when um his boss was uh, brought him into the one room, and I guess that's when all those pictures were on the wall of the yeah. dead women. I yeah okay I think that was when when it was all when it was all happening, <laughs> because it because when he was messing with him that whole time. Uh, he, uh, Warren goes back to his work and, uh, oh no, 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 wait, wait, no, the, they, the, his work finds out that, uh, they were, that he, he was a suspect because then none of those girls, cause they, they kind of show the girl, why is he working here? We don't want him working here. He's the, they just think he's the one that, that, that killed her, but they didn't have no evidence. So when Warren goes into his little office where he works. Uh, his boss is in there, supervisor, and he's like, "What is this?" And it's all the murder pictures uh, of the girl that he killed uh, at the lake. And he's like, "I didn't, I didn't put those there. Those aren't mine." And she goes, "I don't want you working here anymore. You need to get out of here." And so he basically gets fired from his job. 
And then he walks over to the window and looks outside and the camera kind of zooms in and we see uh, Leo Kessler, Charles Brunson standing outside, just kind of looking around. So he knew uh, who it was. So Stacy started calling. Uh, um, no, he didn't start calling him until after. Uh, I think at this time they knew, well, Leo Kessler was the only one that knew that he, he knew 100%. This is our man. This is the guy that did it. And the only way that uh, they were going to get him is uh, uh, they because when they went to get him the second time after the tape, they because they went to his house, they took everything. I mean, just ransacked his house and then they were going to take his clothes and everything. But Leo said, no, just take uh, the stuff he wore the night he was at the movie theater. So that's when uh, they, they brought him in. They arrested him. Uh, they, they took him in. And then the, the lawyer was talking to him and he's like, well, I want you to say this and that. And he goes, well, I, I didn't do it. They don't got nothing on me. But this is when uh, Kessler comes in. And he goes, well, hey, we found some blood uh, on your clothes. And then Warren was like, ah, he goes, you lying. It wasn't me. <laughs> and he like flipped out. I mean, that's how good of an actor he did. He goes, he's lying. He's lying. And he went, no. He's like, no. <laughs> he's all crying. And uh, he was uh convicted uh of uh of murder so uh, he went off to jail but i mean i jumped ahead uh before all this um because they said they found drops of blood on, on his clothes and the blood was from the, the girl that was murdered uh but we all knew that wasn't true because of him running around naked but before all that happened uh kessler was just trying to figure out to do something so again he he's the kind of cop that's going to do what he's got to do to bring in uh the criminals so what he did is he went the the tape that they had the, the the recording of him he went to I don't know what that place was where he went because uh, um, and it's obviously in the police station and uh, I guess late at night you can smoke weed and all that because <laughs> <So, laughs> he he wanted to drop that tape off down there and have that guy file it I so I think assume it was some kind of filing thing and I got a question right here but. Uh, so he's telling him, yeah, I, th I want to, the, the, the tape we got in there. Oh, they actually had two cassette tapes. They had the tape of the one when McCann was with uh, Lori when they recorded. But then they had another recording because uh, they recorded another conversation another time he had called and was talking all nasty to the girls. So he goes, all right. He goes, well, I want you to put this other, the second tape in evidence uh, with the other tape. And the guy that was like, okay, I will. And he goes, well, when are you going to do this? And he goes, oh, you want me to do it now? And he was like, yeah. So that guy gets up, gets the tape, goes in there and starts filing it, filing it. So while that guy was out of the room, uh, Kessler walks into the to another room where there's a refrigerator full of blood, blood samples. All right. I think these two things would be in two separately departments. I don't know why blood samples would be with the filing things, but I don't know. It's Small department. Movie. Yeah, so he actually took uh, blood samples. He, he got a little syringe and took some of the blood out of the little vials, and that's how he put blood on Stacy's clothes. And then the whole scene of him telling him that he got busted. Um, he they did a little quick little court thing, basically saying, "All right, we found blood, and uh, your main court case is going to be later on." Uh, I assume back in the 80s, justice went pretty quick because usually once you get convicted, you're not going to get your main trial until later on. 
much, much later on. I mean, some of these criminals now sit in death row or whatever for like 20 years before they actually mm-hmm. get to their cases. <laughs> but then again, it's a movie, so you got to move it along. <laughs> so um, they so they find out, okay, he's 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 the murderer uh, and everything. So again, I think I jumped ahead with all. I think after uh, he was convicted and then everything, uh, they were going to. Uh, no, I didn't jump ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired. Anyway, um, <laughs> so after he was uh, convicted and everything, and they were getting ready to do the uh, the main trial, but like the pretty much like the night before, um, or actually that that first um, arraignment, uh, McCann was talking to Kessler like how 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 did they find that? I mean, how did they find blood? I mean, this guy's been so good with his stories to this point, how, how did they find this? He, he, it, it didn't sit right with McCann. And he was he like, he goes, what does it matter? He goes, he's arrested. He's the one we got him. Let, let's, let's move on. But McCann, he was like, I, I, I can't accept that. And he, and he told him, he was like, I, I don't, he just wasn't sure. So he started doing his little inside investigation and he ended up, uh, going back to that room or where, where that little evidence room where that guy was. And, um, and he was talking to him. He was like, yeah, he goes, so when, when did he come here to drop something off? He goes, yeah, he came in here the other night and um, I was in here and he thought he was busted for smoking weed. <laughs> but <laughs> he was like, man, he goes, they brought in this big primo stash of grass. That's what they called it in the eighties, everyone. Uh, so and he goes, I, it was just too good. I didn't, and he he took some of it to to smoke. And he goes, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, you talking about the the weed? And he's like, no. He goes about the the tape and everything. And he's like, oh yeah, he came in here and dropped that off. And uh, he goes, were you with him? He goes, yeah, the whole time. And he goes, in this or no? He goes, you were with him the whole time. He goes, well, where else would I be? He goes, no. Were you with him in this room the whole time? He's like, no. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I when I went to go file the tape. I came back and he was somewhere else. And he went where? He goes. He was in that room, and then uh, McCann walks over and opens it up, looks in there, and sees the refrigerator. And then he goes, "What's in that refrigerator?" He goes, "Samples, blood samples." And that's when McCann was like, "Fuck." So again, fast forward to the uh, arena of I assume the sentencing, uh, and then he kind of before they go into the to the courtroom. Uh, McCann is talking to Kessel. Is like, look, man, I I went to the place and that guy said you were there and you were around the blood samples. And he's like, basically, you need to tell me if you did it or not. And at this point, Kessler was he wasn't gonna lie. He was like, he goes, he goes, damn right, I did it. He goes, I did <laughs> what I had to do to get rid of him. Because then he was like, you want me to go in there and get take the stand and lie? Because I could lose my job, go to jail and all this. And then he was like, he goes, man, he goes, I had to do it. We had to get this guy off the street or more people were going to get killed. And then he was like, man, if you can tell me something and, and I'll just I'll do whatever you say, if if you make it, if, if this is going to be right. And I think it just kind of got to him. To Kessler, he was like, fuck. So at this time, he, he knew he was busted. So. They were just about to give uh, Warren his uh, his his sentence. Uh, Kessler walks in there, wanting kind of nudges to the the lawyers to come talk to him. 
they lean over to him. They're whispering around. But you see that lawyer's face like, oh, oh fuck. And then they walk up to the judge. And man, we, man, we, we approach the bench. And they're like, yeah. So they go up there. They're talking and talking. They're full courtroom. And Stacy is like, what the fuck's going on? And then the, the judge is like, are you willing? Is, is this true? And they go to Kessler. And he's like, yeah. So he admitted to planting uh, evidence. So I, I quick another thing right here. So Warren's cleared and free. Uh, he, he was framed for murder. And now the truth came out. Wouldn't you think they would have took uh, Leo Kessler right then and there and put him in jail for doing what he did? Kind of seemed like they didn't care. I mean, <laughs> the, the, Stacy got off. But then they were just kind of like, oh, Kessler, you're you're suspended or fired and that's it. Just yeah. kind of. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It kind of seemed like they would take him into custody before he even left the building. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, he's got maybe close to 30 years on the force, but I mean, you, you do something like this, which is totally against the law. Uh, I don't know. A movie. <laughs> but Yeah, you, I, I'm pretty sure. They would take you into custody right then and there. <laughs> but, but he's fired. He's at home. He's sitting around with his daughter getting all drunk, and he just takes her home. Just, you guys be safe. Oh, I'm going to go home, and I'll be all right. He gets at home, He gets back home. Uh, he gets a phone call, and it's Warren Stacy. And he's telling her, oh, how you doing? What's going on? And basically telling him, yeah, he goes, you, you tried to get me. Now, now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Those that's not exactly what he said, but that's what he was telling him. And he goes, oh, you have a good night. And then he hangs up and he goes, you too, Mr. Stacy. No, he goes, I'll be seeing you. And then he hangs up and he goes, I'll be seeing you too. And then that's when he's getting ready to gear up for battle. Um, but uh, at this time, Warren's mad. So he's other than he was the he's he starts he's going to go after uh, his daughter because uh, he knows that and he knows basically knows where he she lives and everything. So. He uh, gears up, gets his uh, little switchblade. Now that's another thing, man. Why would if you get your murder weapon? Why would you keep that in your apartment? He had it hid in uh, one of the 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 sink uh, in the bathroom in the pipes because he undid it and pulled it out of a plastic bag. I think if you're gonna be killing people, I mean, you either get rid of that weapon right after you use it, or don't leave it in your apartment where they could find it. But movie. <laughs> so yeah, the, now that you're making making uh, or saying that, it does kind of not go with his character. How he was just planning everything right down to the, the the smallest detail. Yeah, to just keep a murder weapon that killed. Well, I guess he only killed one person, the the girl in the beginning, because he killed the second girl with the the. No, he uses it again. Never mind. I'm. Tired of uh, but anyway, he killed the killed the guy too. Well, that's right. He killed that dude and the girl, but he killed the girl in the apartment with uh, one of their, their knives that they had in the kitchen. So he um, he he gears up and he goes to uh, to the to the the nurses school, and uh, he goes to to the, to the apartment. Um, poses as a uh, a flower delivery man. I don't know who delivers flowers in the middle of the night. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, when uh, they go to open the door, uh, Charles Bronson, because he finds out. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, Warren gears up. He goes. Um, uh, Leo Kessler is following him around because he knows he just j- 
just trying to follow him. By this time, he's already off the force. He's fired and everything. But yeah, yes, he should be in jail. But okay. Um, so he's following him around. That he follows uh, Warren. Uh, he picks up a hooker, and hey, how much? Oh, whatever. And then she jumps in, and they take off. They go to a little sleazy uh, hotel. Uh, he checks in. Uh, got a bottle of hooch. Uh, this dirty old hooker, and then just says, "Hey, I, I need a wake up call." So they go upstairs, uh, get naked. Well, she did. He's in his spankies, and uh, there's. They're drinking, and he's like, "Nah, drink up." And she goes, "I can't be getting drunk on the job." And and this was funny right here because she's like, she's already basically naked and ready to go. And he goes, well, "She goes, where are you going?" He goes, "I'm gonna take a shower." He went, "Why?" I like to be clean. <laughs> <laughs> he goes in the bathroom, dumps all the hooch in the in the toilet, and then next thing you see him walking out out of that uh, that room, and he climbs out a window and jumps in his car and heads over to uh, to the nursing school. Um, uh, Charles Bronson, when he was following him, he got kind of cut off, uh, by somebody, and then he pulls over to where, uh, where those other hookers are, and they say, "Hey, who was that girl that was here? That was Susan or whatever her name was." And he goes, "Well, where does she like? Where does she take her tricks? Oh, she takes them to this hotel." So that's when he raced over there, and uh, gets to the front desk and like, "Hey, man, uh, you there's a guy that checked in with a girl and da da da," and he's like, "Oh, I don't know," and then he pulls out his his badge and. No, I think he threw money at him or something. It was, oh, here. And he get, then he gives that guy gives him the key to the room. So he runs upstairs. He opens up the door, busts in there. Uh, the hooker's laying in bed. He walks over and look at her, and she's dead. I think he just strangled her because there wasn't no blood or anything. So he's like, fuck. He runs downstairs. Uh, Warren's already at the, the nurse's uh, apartment. Um, and uh, the, the doorbell rings. One of the girls looks in. Oh, it's the delivery man. And. Uh, the phone's ringing. One of the other girls answers the phone, and Charles Bronson's like, "Don't let, don't answer the door. Don't let anybody in." And they're like, "What?" As that girl's opening the door, uh, Kelly uh, think, Preston. Yeah, Kelly, young Kelly Preston. Again, beautiful. Rest in peace. She opens up the door. Warren standing there, butt naked, holding flowers. He comes in, stabs her, uh, because before, but before that happened, the, the girl was like, "Don't open the door!" And then he's when he comes busting in, kills her. Um, uh, one of the he goes over and grabs one of the other girls because it was three girls in there. He killed Kelly Preston. He walks over to the other girl and they're like, "Where, where is she? Where, where's Lori?" And she goes, "She's not here. She's not here." But Lori was there. Yeah, she, she was uh, like in, in another room uh, of this big, huge dorm room that they were in. So she was kind of hiding. I think she slid under the under the bed. So Warren's like, "Where is she? Where is she?" And goes, "She's not here. She's not here." And she's just scared out of her mind. <laughs> this scene kind of went a little too long because he's like shaking the shit out of her for like a few minutes and just like, "Where is she?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It did. It this scene does go on for a while. I mean, I assume nobody heard all this because <laughs> they were loud and banging around in there. But yeah, because so, this is supposed to be like a dormitory. Yeah, with I guess only. Four nurses that stay there? I I guess. <laughs> so, Charles Bronson is trying to haul ass over there to to the place. And um so he's like, Where is she? Where is she? And he goes, She's not here, she's at the hospital working late. And then he kinda glances over towards the bathroom. There's another thing. Why does the bathroom door open if that girl's in there taking a shower? Anyway. But he noticed there's uh the the young uh Ola Ray, uh, the young black lady, she's in the in the shower, and uh, I don't even what need didn't know why they needed to show her naked, but all right. Uh, so he looks over there, and she's like slowly pulling her towel, 
uh, down and he sees that. So he walks over, he drags that other girl in there, throws her on the ground. And he opens up, he's just starting to open the, uh, the, it's like a, a glass door for the shower. She's trying to hold it and he pulls it open and just stabs her in the gut. And then she's dead. She goes down. He's looking at her and he turns to the other girl. Why don't you tell me she was in there? You made me kill her. Why? <laughs> and that, that girl's just ah, crying and screaming. And he slowly walks in front of her. And then when he moves away, she, she's dead. So Lori is still hiding under the bed, trying to be as quiet as she can. Um, so he killed Kelly Preston, Ola Ray, and whatever that other girl's name was. So three girls are dead in, in that room. And he walks over and he's looking around, doesn't really see anything. He hears a, a, a McCann actually uh, left a, uh, a police radio there for them, which is totally against the law. But all right. So <laughs> he left the radio there, so he heard it. He yeah, we, it we, we can say that he, he likes to bend the law here and there. <laughs> so he, he reaches down, he picks it up and kind of just throws it. And then he starts to, to leave because uh, she doesn't think she's there. So he like starts walking towards the door. He stops, runs back to her bed, moves it and sees that she's laying in there. So they kind of get into a little... Uh, a little spat and he's she's throwing things at him and he's getting ready to kill her uh he grabs her and i guess it was a uh curling iron uh, that was there already hot and ready to go she grabs that burns him in the face and he's ah and then she runs into the bathroom and uh all while this charles bronson is, is hauling ass to to the school he gets on his radio calling mccann and i don't know why he still has a police radio but okay um, <laughs> he, he called McCann. Yeah, get to the school and to whatever to Lori. He's going after them. So McCann's hauling ass over there. Uh, we get we go back into the apartment or we go back into the uh, to to the, the the dorm room. Warren's trying to. He's kicking the door. I mean, here he is, butt naked, all bloody, and he's kicking the door, putting bloody footprints on the door and then uh we hear a car pull up and then she's like that's that's my dad he's here and then he kind of goes he goes don't worry man he goes i'll be back and then so he runs out of the, the apartment and she's in there crying and because she's in there with her two friends that are laying there dead and so she kind of comes out and oh no this is when she burns him she she yeah, comes out island, right yeah, yeah she comes out of the bathroom looks around warren jumps out and grabs her and that's when she grabs the uh curling iron and burns him in the face and he falls down she goes running out uh out of the room uh down the stairs and in the street and barely trotting along uh warren gets up and runs after her he climbs out this window because he sees he hears uh uh kessler coming up the up the the stairs he busts into the room. Uh, Lori's running for her life. Warren Stacy's running after her. He goes in the room, sees all the dead girls in there. Then he goes hauling ass out. I, I got something to say when we get to the very end. <laughs> but he's it's hella funny though, because Lori's like just crying, running for her life, but like barely trotting along. <laughs> and then we see Warren Stacy like just full stride. Hauling ass, just dick probably slapping both legs. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't be a bike we're allowed to ride. I said, yeah, man, he's he's running down the road, just probably dick just slapping <laughs> his legs. <laughs> because uh, I saw this in in my hood theater around the corner from my house, and I remember there was a, a black guy 
Um, these were the days when everyone used to just scream out and talk to the movie screen. <laughs> and every, I remember the guy that was sitting behind it, he was like, man, my dick would be hurting slapping my legs like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's running, he's running down. He just about grabs her. And then, uh, because we, we already see, uh, Leo running out of Charles Bronson running out of the dorm room. She's running up. Warren's just about to grab her and she runs up and stops. And then she, it's, uh, Leo Kessler, Charles Bronson. He's holding him. He's got his gun out and Warren stops. And, uh, I don't know how all the cops knew exactly where they were once they left the, the dorm room. <laughs> but all these cop cars pull up. There's a helicopter flying around. And then he, uh, they, he, go, he goes into this big dialogue. It's like, then Stacy goes, all right, well, you got me. And then he's like, all those girls. And he goes, he goes, I don't, I don't know why. He goes, I, I don't know what it is. There's like a voice in my head telling me to do it. And he goes, and I'm sick. And he goes, you can't do, you can't hurt me because I'm sick. And then this is when the cops all show up and they start uh, handcuffing him. And he goes, but don't worry, man. He goes, they'll put, he goes, they'll put me away. He goes, but I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be, I'll, they're, they're going to let me out because that's the law. And he goes, and, and you're going to pay for it. You and the whole fucking world, or you're going to see me again. You, you and the whole fucking world. And he's handcuffed and the cops are standing to hold him. And then. Uh, Kessler's like, no, he won't. Shoots him uh, a headshot <laughs> and blows his brains out, and then that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. the movie. <laughs> the wasn't it pulls back, and then the wasn't it over. enough that they heard that he said he was gonna act like he was insane? Yeah, I mean, many witnesses heard him, other than him and her. Um, again. Uh, they were already hauling ass. I don't know how far they ran. My assumption was blocks. And old ass uh, Leo Kessler comes running out. Uh, what did he do? Did he go another direction and cut through the the back of these buildings to to get in front of them? <laughs> <laughs> you got that Jason Voorhees speed, I guess. <laughs> he was he got that teleporting uh, <laughs> ability. So. <laughs> Yeah, the, and the only problem I had here, I wish I would have seen some sort of fallout from the partner because of him basically telling everybody that, that Kessler, you know, planted evidence. This led to three other women getting murdered. Yeah. And you just kind of never see him. Yeah, he didn't even show up to, to the final showdown. I mean... Uh, we just have uh, we just see uh, Kessler calling McCann. McCann, go to the school. He's gonna be there. The that whole it. police force showed up. Yeah, I mean there was like multiple cars and a helicopter. So I mean, oh, where was where was this taking place? What city? I assume L.A. I mean I'm not really. There's sure. nobody around while a naked bloody man runs around. I guess I mean no one in that uh, dorm dorm. Uh, no one in the street. I mean, it obviously looked like it was on some kind of uh, college campus. So I, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm flipping through Wikipedia to see if they say where it was, or at least giving me a filming location. Um, we forgot to bring up Jeffrey Lewis, <laughs> uh, Los he Angeles. Was, okay, he was um, <clears throat> Warren Stacy's uh, lawyer. 
because he was the one that actually when the before he did his last trial he was the one telling him like look man he goes you're gonna if, he goes you you want to go into this courtroom and just tell him uh this is a crooked lawyer he was because you need to tell him like there's you're hearing voices in your head you're you're crazy and it makes you do things. And he goes, what? You want me to say I'm a schizo? He goes, I'm not a schizo. And he goes, look, man. He goes, uh, you'll walk out of prison alive. He goes, he goes, they're going to pull you out of the gas chamber dead. So you got to make up your mind. You want to say you're crazy and they'll let you go or or what? <laughs> so that's when at the end of the film, he goes, I'm sick. You, you can't hurt me because I'm sick. And All those girls. You sick son of a bitch. I am sick. I am sick. I didn't know what I was doing. It's like something was happening and I couldn't control myself. Why else would I kill girls I don't even know? It's like I'm two different people. I hear voices telling me what to do. Once it begins, I can't stop. So go ahead. Arrest me. I'm sick. You can't punish me for being sick. All you can do is lock me up, but not forever. One day I'll get out. One day they'll get out. That's the law. That's the law. That's the law. And I'll be back. I'll be back. You'll hear from me. You and the whole fucking world. Oh, no, we won't. All this, so I mean, I really liked how it ended. It was like after he shot him, blasting him, blew his brains out. Movie was over. <laughs> the camera pulls back. The credits start rolling. <laughs> so, but, uh, he was not huffing and puffing. So, he he, out of those two, that Stacy was young, Lori's young, uh, Bronson is old. He should have been <laughs> huffing and puffing. <laughs> but well, I guess all that adrenaline uh, get you going. <laughs> Oh. Well, the budget for this was uh, what four four hundred thousand or something like that, and then it boxed off at seven seven hundred thousand in some change. Um, released on March eleventh of eighty three. Uh, this is the one of the great canon films mm. uh, of the eighties. So you gotta love it. I mean, these films, these crime films, and all this. I mean, they were quick and to the point. Uh, so it's probably why. Uh, they made so many, uh, as, as well as their action films. Here, they're in Wikipedia, they're listed as a crime horror thriller. Just because there's dead, bloody people doesn't make it a horror movie. This is just a crime uh, thriller. I would yeah, say. I think because of the whole slasher aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, he was killing uh, women and all that, but he didn't like rape anyone. Yeah. This would be a good double feature. What was that one we did for 31 Days with Michael Ironside? Uh, that they had to do in the hospital. Oh, visiting hours. Yeah, because both movies kind of let you know who the killer is right away. Yeah, even that one, that wasn't, I mean, they sold it to everyone as a horror film. But, uh, hey, fuck, man, that Blu-ray never came. Uh, Remember, I ordered, yeah. Oh, the fuck! I am. I have to check my emails because I ordered it because it was visiting hours, and there was another. 
It was like a double feature movie. I can't remember, like Bad Dreams or something. I, I don't remember whatever the other movie was. But shit, I totally forgot about all that. God damn it. I was ordering so much during the holidays to get presents here. And I just fucking slipped my mind. I'm going to do some research. But uh, this is definitely a classic, man. I, I love this film. I've seen it multiple times. Um, if you listen to our uh, our uh, East Society's Thirty One Days of Horrors, we were always talking about uh, the poster art uh, for these films. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the poster for this film, it's it's amazing artwork. I don't know who the artist is uh, that drew it, but um, top billing Charles Bronson, a cop, a killer, a deadline. You see him standing, Bronson standing there with a gun, ten to midnight. You see Warren Stacy. Uh, like in front of a clock face holding his knife uh, and uh, his other hand up to 12 and <clears throat> the, the, the knife with it, the, the hand with his knife is at um, the 50 mark. Uh, we see uh, McCann running with uh, uh, his daughter, Lori uh, with uh, Leo's uh, daughter and she's in full nurse gear. That didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I, I mean, looking at this now, not not ever really thinking about the poster, but because um, we see uh, Detective McCann running with Laurie, I think that would have been cool to have him at the end and then Charles Bronson show up and save the day. Maybe he get got into a scuffle with Stacy and got stabbed or hurt or something, and they're, they're both trying to run for their lives and everything. But, yeah, he just basically, after I think it was after after the court case, that was like the last we saw him. Yeah, because we didn't really talk about how it, it seemed like him and uh, Charles Bronson's daughter was going to have some sort of relationship. And then he just, I guess, told her, um, I've been busy. Uh, that's why I haven't called you. And that was kind of it. She was mad at him because when she was all drunk, when that when she was hanging out with her dad, she was basically like, screw that guy, man. He did you dirty and sold you out. But this is drunk talk, so... Yeah, I think the last scene he was in is when they were in, in the court, court when they were outside of the court, when he um, got uh, Leo to confess that he planted the blood uh, on uh, Warren's clothes. Mm. So, but yeah, I think that was it. But yeah, but I think it would have been cool if he showed up at the end and uh, got it. Maybe, maybe even gotten killed by by Warren before uh, Charles blew his brains out. But yeah, maybe there's a different cut of this movie. <laughs> Speaking of different cuts, um, the when this was on TV, the 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 TV version. I mean, of course they're gonna cut the the nudity and everything. It was weird, um, <clears throat> but I the at the end of this film when the camera pulls back, you see Warren standing there butt naked, and the one that was on TV, he's standing there in black underwear. And I think there was some other time. I mean, I think that was it. They never really showed black underwear when he was running around naked. Oh, no, they did at the beginning because when he was chasing that girl uh, in the woods, uh, they see her running down a hill. He comes up to the top of the hill and he's standing there and you see him full back view. Uh, Then in that scene as well, he had uh, the, the black underwear on. I think... Uh, in, in these days, I, I'm not sure if they do it now anymore, but they had to shoot extra scenes so they could put this on TV. Because if, if you guys know your uh, your Halloween history, they had to do that. They had to shoot 
when they put John Carpenter's Halloween on TV, they shot some extra scenes because they knew they were going to have to cut scenes so they can put it on TV. So I assume maybe they just shot those extra scenes with his, with black underwear on so they could put it on TV. Because I remember the first time we saw it on TV, like, oh, it's coming on. Let's watch it. And we were like, hey, he, he's wearing underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Uh, on the um the extras uh, the Blu-ray extras when when um uh, McCann uh, what's his name something Stevens uh, Andrew Stevens that they're mm-hmm. talking to him that was when he was saying because yeah he was really cool about just standing around naked and didn't have no problems shooting those scenes being naked they show a still photo a still photo of him standing there in black underwear so I assume that's probably why. They had to shoot those scenes so they could put it on TV. But um, <clears throat> I've seen this movie just a jillion times, and, and I love it on every physical media, VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. <sighs> of course, I'm going to buy the Shout Factory. I know someone's probably saying, you don't need I, I I'm a collector. I love Charles Bronson. I love this mm-hmm. film, so <laughs> I, I got to have it. So, But when I bought this Twilight Time one, I Twilight Time is weird. They only put out like so many, and then once they're gone, they're gone. So, but when uh, this came out, I jumped right on it before because I don't think you can buy this on Twilight Time anymore. I don't think. I, I could be wrong. Uh, usually, you can't when it comes to them. So, but this, I'm, I'm definitely going to get the Shout Factory one. But this, out of the many, many movies of Charles Bronson, I mean, this is like I said, this is probably my second favorite one after uh, Death Wish. Uh, assassination was the movie. Shit, I see a poster for it now. Of uh, when um, Charles Bronson was protecting uh, the first lady. And the movie's goofy, and yes, it's there. I think it's canon as well uh, that that put this one out. But he was dropping movies. I mean, once the '80s hit, he was just boom, 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 putting them out all the way into the '90s. Because before uh, Ten to Midnight, he had Death Hunt, which was an awesome film. Death Wish Two, right before this one. And then the movie after this one, The Evil That Men Do, it's it's a real slow uh, one, but it, it's really good if you guys haven't seen that one. And then after that, he did Death Wish, Death Wish 3. Um, that one was just totally crazy and stupid, but I love it still. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, have, if you guys are familiar with the Death Wish films, the first one was just a crime drama, and it, it was a, a masterpiece. Death Wish 2 was more of, uh, he was... They were just going to base it on just we just want to see him kill, be the vigilante that he was. When Death Wish 3 comes around, that's when canon just got goofy and everything. It was. I could still watch it and enjoy it. I own it, but it's just it's it's not a good movie at all. And the one after that, Death Wish 4, the crackdown, that was like 87. That one was no good. Uh, I haven't seen the fifth one, Death Wish 5, uh, The Face of Death. That one came out in 94. Uh, I, after after the crackdown, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can watch that one. I'm sure it's probably on YouTube somewhere. Um, he did one with, um, unless I'm thinking of uh, the wrong. Yeah, I'm thinking of something totally different. But uh, I thought... Uh, there was one that was a uh, Kinjite Forbidden Subjects. Um, that one was pretty good. That one was like a, a, a action drama crime uh, type of film uh, going on uh, within uh, like 
From what I remember, it was, uh, okay, this is what I'm reading. A brutal Los Angeles police lieutenant is determined to bust up an organization that forces underage underage girls into prostitution. Yeah, I knew I had to do something with kids. Uh, that, but that one was, I mean, they don't show anything, but the, the, the subject matter, when you think about it, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. But I remember that one being really good, but if you had to pick a favorite Charles Bronson, uh, I think you said it, but I don't remember what, what it, would your favorite be? It's the original death wish that that was my introduction. My, my dad introduced, introduced me to Charles Bronson through death wish and, uh, the white Buffalo. And after that, I was watching the mechanic and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, death wish is probably my favorite. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was Geronimo. I'm trying to go through his filmography. He's done a ton of movies. He, his first film was in 49. Well, TV series. He was probably just a side character, but no. What's his name? Was Geronimo Chuck Connors? <laughs> he was. <laughs> um, the, okay, he did a movie called Apache. That's probably why I'm thinking of Geronimo. Uh, I assume he was uh, a native guy because if you got Burn Lancaster being a uh, a native, well, an Apache. Why not Charles Bronson? <laughs> it says he played a character named Hondo. Yeah, but in those days, everyone, uh, that's what they did. Uh, they couldn't, they didn't have native actors, so you just throw some paint on uh, the, the main stars and have them talk like this, and me and Wampum and the whole stereotypical bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bronson, man, he's definitely a, a legend. Uh, I think his last film or last thing he shot was for TV, and that was in 1999. He passed uh, August 30th, uh, 2003. He was 81 and he passed away in Los Angeles. He was from Aaronfield, Pennsylvania. He was born in 21. But yeah, he's got a ton of films uh, under his belt. Uh, the Great Escape, that was another one uh, that was awesome. But yeah, my introduction to him was Death Wish. And, uh, thanks to my dad. Um, my dad in, in, introduced me to everything. Mm-hmm. Lee Same Marvin, way. Lee Marvin, Steve McQueen, Paul, uh, Clint Eastwood, Charles Bronson, everybody, all the the tough guys. I was never really got into John Wayne. My dad was all about John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got a little bit of John Wayne under my belt from from my dad. So, <laughs> but all right, everyone, that's uh, Charles Bronson's classic uh, Ten to Midnight. Um, all right, it's uh, it's your pick now. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> I just realized that when I said it. Um, I I had a uh, a film picked out, but I just totally forgot what it was. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to go uh, back to the early 80s. This is uh, you have HBO Max, don't you? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to go to. Uh, a film that I was watching the other day. I love this film. It's like probably my second favorite uh, comic book film. Uh, came out in uh, 1980. Uh, this is actually the second film, which the, the first film came out in, I think, 79. Um, I'm trying to get Theo to go do a whole retrospective of it, but uh, we got so much on our plate uh, over at the East Society. But, oh, the first film came out in 78. 
but the film I want to do um, again, this is my f- second favorite comic book movie uh, of all time. And it was number one until I saw something else. And I'll get into that story when we get to it. But we're going back uh, to 1980 to Richard Lester's uh, DC superhero film, Superman 2. Ah. Stars the great and the one and only Superman. Everyone else is, comes after him. And Christopher Reeve, rest in peace. Um, I don't think I've ever covered this film at all on anything that we've done. And uh, I was watching it the other night, and uh, yeah, I was like, "Fuck!" Again, thinking we've never ever talked about that. Was, that's what I said. I was trying to get this easy. Let's let's do all of them, but he didn't seem like he didn't want. I don't know. He'll do it, but he's like, oh. so I don't know. But we got stream fiends now, so definitely uh, something. Um, we're just gonna pick all these out of all these streaming platforms, but yeah, we are gonna the next one we're gonna be covering uh, Richard Lester's Superman two. You nice. didn't realize it was over two hours. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right. Anything else? No, everyone. Uh, just thank you for listening. Uh, we got uh, Action Returns. Uh, if you guys didn't listen to it yet, but uh, it's out there. The first two movies of the Karate Kid series, and uh, we're getting. To the fourth one soon. Yeah, your, your 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 favorite one. <sighs> Hillary, I love you, but man, oh, that movie. We'll get into that when we get into it. But uh everyone, thank you so much for for listening to Stream Fiends as well as the action returns here on the Horror Returns Network. Uh when you're done listening to all this, shoot on over to my network, the Skater Podcast Network. Uh East Society, we are we just dropped our two hundred and seventh episode of East Society. It's a long one, four and a half hours. Uh, if you want to take a road trip to listen to it all in one shot, thank you. But uh, you can listen to it uh, bits and pieces. Uh, we go into a lot. Uh, there's part of it that the audio is not the greatest. We hear some like crackles in the background. I don't know what that was from, but uh, it's still listenable. But I'm just I'm just warning you guys right now. It's only for one one section and then it clears up. So, but four and a half hours, the longest uh, East Society episode ever, and we will never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that, everyone. But other than that, um, thank you so much for listening to Stream Fiends, and uh, we'll see you guys next time when we cover uh, Superman Two. So until then, please be safe and party on. And of course, uh, if you're checking this out, don't forget to check out uh, our main show, The Horror Returns. Also, The Action Returns. Uh, We got some bonus episodes with some interviews coming out. Uh, Me and Nez might jump into some uh, other little bonus stuff, uh, some movies we're we're, uh, receiving. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, until next time, everybody be safe.